You are listening to Any Given Sunday Australia. All righty, joining us now is a former offensive tackle out of the University of Arizona, 11 years in the league, including 10 of them at the Buffalo Bills, two of them being Super Bowl appearances. Mr. John Fina, how are you, mate? Hey, hey, Tom and Tim. Happy as hell to be with you down in Australia, man. Oh, geez, I love this <laughs> up and about already. I love it. Great, Angie. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today, John. Great to have you. Yeah, it's a real pleasure. You know, you got to evangelize the greatest sport in the world as often as you can and reach as far as you can. And that's what I'm doing today. Love it. Yeah. So, absolutely. hey, guys, any, anything you want to ask me, I'm an open book. I, I like to keep it uh, pretty fresh and easy. And, you know, my opinions just kind of come out of my mouth before I get a chance to stop. <laughs> the that, filter so. just gets lost sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <What> filter. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've said you're uh, you're not a hundred percent, so you're staying off the beers. But that's uh, I'm sure that won't stop the filter, anyways. Not at all. <laughs> nah, not at all. all. All right, we like to start off by finding out. You, you, you've already told us, but we'll tell our listeners. Have you been down under and, and graced our shores? Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that you say down under. I didn't want to think it was like some stupid thing the Americans only say. But it was back in 1996. My, I, I grew up riding horses, and my father says we want to. I want to go on this trail ride in Tasmania. Uh, it's called the Trek of the Tasmanian Tiger, uh, and I'm sure you all know the legend of the Tasmanian yeah. Tiger, right? So uh, we we saddle up. I think it was in April or May, and we head down. I spent. Uh, well, let me go back. Uh, I went to a, a movie wrap-up party in Tucson, Arizona, because a buddy of mine was friends with somebody working on the set. And I'm there at this party, hanging out, drinking beers, and I'm talking to this really cool Australian guy who was an actor in the film. And my brother comes over and says, hey, who are you talking to? What's going on? I said, oh, I want to introduce you to my friend here. This is Russell Crowe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. like, oh, Rusty. <laughs> he's like... Uh, really who is he i'm like well he's in the movie the quick and the dead which they just filmed in tucson and my brother says did you tell him you're going to australia next week and i said no i didn't want to do the whole tell me where to go tell me what to do thing so russell just gets really kind of annoyed at me we've been talking for about an hour or two and he says you're going to australia you're not telling me and i'm gonna hook you up and take care of you so I'm like, yeah, all right, whatever, sure. We exchanged phone numbers. You know, back in those days, you wrote them down. And we landed in Sydney at about midnight, and I had slept the whole flight. I had only traveled with my parents, so I'm wide awake. I check into my hotel, and that little light on the phone is blink, 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 blink. I had 10 messages from Russell's buddies. And they're like, get your ass down here. You got to go come to the saloon bar on the rocks. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I'm wide awake. So I get, I, I change out. I head down. They just said, come walk in the door and just scream. I'm Russell Crowe's friend, the American. <laughs> it was on for three nights straight in Sydney. They tried to kill me with beer. <laughs> Holy cow. So we, uh, so I spent some time in Sydney, and then we drove to Canberra uh, to tour the uh, capital city there, designed by an American, Walter Burley Griffin, as you know. And uh, I had to, I had to go to to Canberra so I could dry out because yeah. our next stop was Melbourne. And again, the blinking on my phone from all of his friends. So I spent like another five days in Melbourne, just glassy eyed from drinking all night and then touring with my parents all day. It was hilarious. Uh, and then I finally made it over to Tasmania where we rode horses through the forest for about uh, four days and nights. And it was, uh, it was really an amazing experience. The Australian people were incredibly warm and welcoming. And they have beer, which is fantastic. <laughs> uh, the food was great. I got to eat wallaby. We eat lamb all the time. It was uh, it was absolutely brilliant. And that's my story of Australia. <laughs> I was going to say, I reckon you. Uh, I don't know if you heard pre prior to that, but Russell Crowe has a bit of a 
uh, I don't know, a, a reputation of being a bit of a party animal, especially back then, but I'm sure you found out pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, well, if it's anything like all of his friends. And then we stayed in touch a little bit. You know, we didn't... Uh, we didn't spend a ton of time together or anything, but he was, uh, he was a fantastic guy to meet and, uh, all things aside, you know, uh, it was, it was really a great experience. Yeah. You got to, you got to experience the best of Aussie culture. You got the beer culture and then you got a bit of the, the night, like nice <laughs> national parks down in Tassie. So you did really well. <laughs> yeah. Launceston was just absolutely stunning. Yeah. I mean, we, it was incredible. And, uh, the trail ride out in the, and the, whatever you call it, the forest or the woods was spectacular. It was it was incredible. Yeah, there wouldn't be too many people that would be coming onto the podcast and saying they enjoyed Canberra because they were drying out, and then they'll enjoy Tassie. <laughs> I reckon. I reckon Canberra is well, well, uh, the place you go to dry out. There's not much going on there besides Lake Burley Griffin. Yeah, yeah. Where are you guys anyway? I don't. I didn't even ask. Apologies. We're in. I'm just north of Melbourne, and and Timmy's down, down the coast, coast just south of Melbourne. Melbourne. Okay, terrific. You can tell by his beautiful uh, that, skin. All right, that's not New South Wales is uh, Sydney, yep. but Melbourne's in uh, Victoria. Uh, I can't remember Victoria. Yeah. Right, yeah. I was going to yeah. say that. Yeah, my niece and my niece is going to school at uh, James Cook up the coast. Okay, yeah, uh, wow, that's right up the coast. You got family connection here, then? Yeah, yeah. yeah I do. Does that mean you're going to come back? Uh, sure. <laughs> I'd yeah. love to go back. <laughs> well, when I'd you do, to. make we, sure you we we'll, we'll hook up your I, I, I might have to bring a fresh yeah, liver, we'll, though. You we know? can't I promise mean, like yeah. Russell Crowe levels of fun, but like, you know, we, we can have a crack. We'll have a, we'll have a bloody good crack. Don't you worry about that. Uh, I'll put you through exactly. your paces. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, we expect the same thing when we come over to Arizona. Yeah. Then. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, we're going to take it right back. You were. You were born in Minnesota, but you went to high school and then ultimately college in Arizona. How did you go from that? Two different parts of the bloody country. How did you end up there? So this is the amazing part. My parents are from Rochester, New York, and that's about sixty miles from Buffalo. Yep. My parent, my father, went away to medical school in Canada. Did his residency in Rochester, Minnesota, where I was born, and they said no more cold weather, so they moved <laughs> west. Yeah. So then when I when I got drafted by the Buffalo Bills, it was like Jeez. an incredible thing for our family because no, it was brilliant because oh, I have the cold uh, weather there. I have well, I have about about a hundred cousins and relatives. So we had family reunion, you know, every game. It was oh, marvelous. Absolutely incredible. Was football always the passion or did you grow up playing others as well? Oh, when I was a kid, you played every sport. So I played a lot of soccer. Uh, I loved soccer. I played baseball and football. And then when I got to high school, I wasn't good enough for our soccer team. So I played basketball and uh, I quit baseball. So for, for three years of high school, I played football and basketball and you know, I was fortunate that I was offered a scholarship at the University of Arizona, and I took it. I didn't really didn't have a lot of other offers, uh, so that was the best one. And lo and behold, I became an Arizona Wildcat. And was that? Did you get offered yes. on a on a football scholarship? Yeah. Yes. So it wasn't always yeah. the plan to go to university at, at Arizona. That just it just sort of the pieces fell that way. Well, more than likely, I would have gone there if I wasn't an athlete. You know, it's my uh, hometown college. Um, and, you know, I had two other offers that weren't quite as good as far as athletics go. So I took the biggest, best offer I could. It just happened to be in my backyard. Yeah, sure. oh, it all fell into line. What, what did you study while you were there? Well, I always wanted to be a doctor. So I oh, was pre-med. So I took all the... All the science courses, organic chemistry, physics, biology, uh, and then I was a Spanish minor, so I, I, I learned a lot of Spanish, and I loved school. I was one of those nerds, you know. I, I just loved it. I, I took a self-study course. I read Russian literature. I read everything by Gabriel Garcia Marquez. I just it was kind of my thing. I always, I guess, uh, uh, idle hands are the devil's workshop. So. <laughs> Being uh, being Sicilian, you know, I might have a proclivity for uh, you know, 
devilish antics. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Well, hence why we started this podcast, because otherwise we'd be sitting around just getting up to trouble. Exactly. Right? You're right. Yeah, drinking more. Do you still drink? Do you still drink Tui's down there? Yeah, no. Tui's is still alive. I don't drink it myself, but it's still going. <laughs> Yeah. So, what's the brand? What what do I get to drink when I come down there? Ooh, there's there's been like an explosion of like micro brewers lately. So there's like there's a shit like there's still the major brands like your VB, Carlton Draft, obviously Tui's, Four X are really big. Um, Great Northern. I remember Four X and Carlton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're still around. Yeah. Otherwise, you hit up uh, Furfies. Uh, what's the other one near you that we had on the podcast? Better beer, yeah. So there's plenty there's of options. Thousands of options now, so you you spoil the choice. I'd like to. I'd like to try <laughs> yeah. all of them. Yeah, <laughs> we'll write a list and we'll tick them off. We'll tick them off yeah. as we go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we'll do a podcast on oh, it. Perfect. Sure. Perfect. Ah, all right. Well, hang on. I'll just write that down. <laughs> Put it on the to-do list. Uh, when you began your college career, it looked like you were a bit of a two-way player with both the offensive and the defensive line. What? How did you go there, and, and why did you ultimately choose the O-line? Well, I didn't. It uh, it got chosen for me. When I got to Arizona, I was a linebacker, and then they timed me in the 40-yard dash, and I was so <laughs> slow. They said, now you're a defensive lineman. <laughs> and I, I wasn't very good. I wasn't very strong and I wasn't very big and I wasn't very quick. So I'd gone, I'd gone off to spring break. Are you guys sure you do that down there, right? So, Oh, you're right. Break. <laughs> yeah. So I come back from spring break and I walk into the locker room and I go to my locker and somebody else's stuff was in my locker. I was number 98. So I'm looking around. I don't know where all my stuff is. So I walk around the entire locker room. And I finally recognize my gear in a locker and I look up and it's number 70. So I'm like, what the hell's going on? So I walk over to the equipment room and the old crotchety guy in the equipment room. I said, Hey, where's my shit? And he says, uh, uh, they moved you to offensive line. You're 70 now. And I was like, they, they weren't going to tell me like, I got to find out from you. <laughs> That's literally how I found out I became an offensive lineman. I walked in the damn locker room and had to find my gear. And the old bloke says, oh, by the way, you're down the back end yeah. now. How does that yeah. work? How do you go like getting your head around that? <laughs> I thought I was one step from being kicked yeah, off so you're the team. Relieved. Or... <laughs> I've still got a locker. I'm yeah, all good. <laughs> or just benched forever. Um you know, I never liked offensive linemen. I thought they were fat, sloppy, <laughs> annoying crybabies. And then uh, turns out I'm a fat, sloppy, <laughs> annoying crybaby myself. So, yes, perfect fit. Yeah, it was good. No, it was hard. I, I didn't like it. Um, I was lost. It's all, you know, it's new terminology, just new way of thinking. Uh, a lot of uh, memorization of plays and understanding different philosophies and you know, it was a lot. So I didn't do very well my first year at it. And in my second year on offensive line, I was okay. And in my third year, I had a really, really great season. And then lo and behold, the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> I love that you said you're doing all right. So Timmy, just listen to some of this stuff that you finished off. Some incredible honors, including the second team, all pack 10, the team MVP in your last year, Makes sense now that you were three-time All-Pac-10 academic selection. You said you had a big brain and, and enjoyed uh, the, the pre-med. And then ultimately you, you finished it. off with the Arizona Hall of Fame. Uh, how is that just an okay? It's going all right, career? John. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, nobody likes uh, someone who boasts a lot. But no, I'll say it. this. Um, <laughs> as, as, as far as being the MVP, now I know you guys watch American football. The MVP is always uh, a quarterback, a receiver, or running back, right? So my last year at Arizona, we were so horrible. We were so bad. They made an offensive lineman the MVP. Totally unheard of. I mean. You're breaking the mold, though. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, no one's ever putting that back together. That's for do sure. You get back to, um, do you get back to university of often being, being a Hall of Famer? Do they try and get you back there um, a bit? Uh, you know, a little bit. Uh, they it, It's interesting. People think that former players are really embedded in the programs. And in some places they are and some they're not. And if I wanted to spend more time there, I'd be welcome. But, you know, you're raising your own kids, right? I got four yep. of my own. 
uh, you have a, I have a career. So, you know, going and standing around on a football field and getting a backache, you know, it doesn't sound thrilling. Um, and then of course my son, uh, my second child, Bruno, he, uh, they didn't recruit him. They didn't Aww. recruit him to Arizona. So he went to UCLA, which is in the same conference. So I don't know. Maybe they're a little bit annoyed that he didn't come there. But the uh, the coaching staff was a disaster at Arizona. And my son said, I, I am not going there. And I said, I don't blame you. Uh, the, the program is turning around, but uh, it's certainly not very good at the time when my son was being. Yeah, that's, that's fair enough. Then. Yeah. So 1992 rolls around and you're, you're the 27th pick in the first round to your Buffalo Bills. Do you have – what kind of memories of the day did you have or did you just go and get wasted and you don't really remember? <laughs> That's a great question and, and it's accurate except you have it in the reverse order. So uh, there were a lot of people who didn't think I would be drafted in the top three rounds, but I had a really good uh, preseason to the draft. And between the combine and the individual workouts that I did you know, and, and the, the senior game that I played in, my stock was just rising and rising. But I still didn't have any belief that I would go in the first round. So the night before the draft, I may or may not have had a few too many Carltons. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I, uh, my, uh, my agent finally calls me and he's like, where the hell are you? And I'm scrambling to pick up the phone, you know, I'm like, uh, uh, I'm laying in bed. <laughs> he's like, get your ass down here. They're on pick 15. And I'm like, why? I'm not going to be picked for like another four hours. Uh, so I, you know, rubbed the sleep out of my eyes, drank about three gallons of water, walked down there. And in about, uh, I don't know, 45 minutes later, they called my name and I was just, uh, I was kind of pie eyed and uh, I didn't know what to do. It was, it was just such an incredible rush of emotion. It was, in, it was amazing. Now everybody's like, Oh, your family must've all been there. They didn't believe I was going to get drafted <laughs> either. <laughs> so my, my parents had planned a trip to, to Spain like six months before that. And they said, Hey, we're going to be in Spain during the draft. Do you mind? Mm. And I'm like, I'm not getting drafted. Yeah, Go to Spain. Go <laughs> so they were there. Yeah. They were over in Spain for Feria. Actually they were in, uh, uh, Portugal at the time. And so like they were making calls, what's going on, what's going on. They got a hold of my parents, friends, and they're like, you're not going to believe it. <laughs> and then getting, dra getting drafted by Buffalo and all the family being in Rochester, it was a dream. I mean, it was an absolute dream. You couldn't have written a better story. Yeah, you sort of, you sort of said, you, like, obviously, you didn't think you were getting drafted. Is that how it worked for you? You don't, you don't hear from many teams in the lead up, or like, do you have a bit of an idea if any teams are interested, or is it more like you were genuinely surprised on the day? Uh, I definitely knew I was going to get drafted. I didn't think it would be in the first two yeah. rounds. I thought I'd slip to the third or fourth. I was. You know, I was a pretty obscure player in college. Um, there were, we didn't really, our, my university didn't do a good job of saying, hey, look at Tim Cotty. He's, he's this great thing and, you know, getting Sports Illustrated and people to write stuff. And, and now, you know, media is Huge, everywhere. Yeah. It, yeah. You know, back then it was uh, beat writers, your local newspaper. You know, there wasn't, you know, 58 million podcasts and, <laughs> And you know, like, yeah, my, my son's highlights are all over Twitter, you know, uh, we didn't have all that crap. So I, I really had to battle out of obscurity and I did it by, I played really well, uh, in the senior game in San Francisco. And then I, I trained really hard for the combine and I crushed it at the combine. Yeah. And then I had probably 14 coaches come to Tucson to work me out one-on-one, -on -one. Awesome. but you know. I mean, at the time, there were only 28 players drafted in the first round. You think you're in the top 56 players on the planet uh, coming out of college? I mean, I never thought I was, but that wasn't my job. It was somebody else's. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is it different to today back then? Did you rock up in a suit and all that kind of things, or were you just wearing whatever you rolled out of bed in 20 minutes early? <laughs> no, totally different. Uh, back in those days, they only had a handful of guys really come to the draft itself. Well, maybe more than half, like maybe, maybe 30, 40 guys came. Um, and I, I had no inclination of my ranking just because I was, you know, kind of this nebulous player, you know, conceptually like, well, 
you know, he, he played in this kind of offense. It's not really a pro style offense. So, you know, no one really knew. And people, people do the rankings back in those days, like kind of preseason and then right at the postseason, you know, you don't have this opportunity to look at just, you know, miles and miles of film on various players in college. And now everybody's a scout. Everybody's a promoter. You know, you can't hide anymore. And that's virtually what I was doing. I was kind of hiding. Yeah, until I call hey, you. Guys, you guys gonna you gonna send me one of those shirts? I want one of those. Absolutely. Which one? Do you want the team's got or the one that all? Mine's the, got new the new version. version. I've got the old one. No, on. no, the, the given yeah, Sunday we'll, one. Yeah. yeah, I'll send I'll you send one. It. We'll hook you up. I'll, ve- I'll Venmo you the three hundred dollars in postage <laughs> for the nine for the nine dollars shirt. Yeah, <laughs> it's a three hundred dollars shirt, and nine dollars postage. Don't yeah. worry about that. Ah. Uh, Speaking of uh, difference between now and then, what was the training camp like back then? So you've been called, you've made your way over to Buffalo. Is it uh, a lot, you know, I'm picturing it being a lot harder back then that not players are soft these days, but it's all about, you know, let's protect them, wrap them up in cotton wool and get them to, to week one. Was it, you know, ground and pound back then? Well, even back then, I was fortunate to play for Marv Levy in Buffalo because our training camp was really smart. So it would be it would have been much more like today's training camp than say the Kansas City Chiefs back in those days with Marty Schottenheimer, which people widely regarded as you know five weeks mm. of hell. Yeah, right. uh, two a days after two a days after two a days. Now, uh, I think it's much smarter now. The Buffalo training camp was definitely harder than they are now, but nothing compared to like Kansas city and a few other places. I think it's better that they do it this way. I think, um, I think it's harder to start the season with fewer preseason games and fewer Mm. and less contact in training camp. But I don't know that um, I don't know that it matters in the long run anymore. I think the players are so good. They show up in such great shape um, fighting for a job and keeping a job, I think is harder now than it was probably before I played, but not too far before, because there's such a uh, there's a lot of available talent now in that middle tier. I don't think that there's a ton of available talent at the top tier, um, but there's a lot of middle tier middle middle tier talent and more than there was when I played. I think. Yeah, and you and you walked into. A team that's just played in the last two Super Bowls, and you're playing with players like you know Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, Steve Tasker. Like, did you know? Well, I'm presuming you knew about these guys going in. Like, these are legendary names. I did because uh, one of my teammates from Arizona, Glenn Parker, was drafted by the Bills two years before I got there. So, whereas you know, I guess when I was a kid, I was a Pittsburgh fan and uh, the Minnesota Vikings because I was born in Minnesota. And the New Orleans. We don't speak of those team on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I well, look, I don't like your damn. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine by me. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, so once once Glenn was drafted by Buffalo, I immediately became a Bills fan, and I, I became familiar with all these guys, these these legends, these Hall of Famers, and it was a great experience going into a locker room where they really. Uh, embraced you and taught you how to be a pro. And there was this expectation of performance and commitment and professionalism that was, you know, at least up here. And if you get drafted by a crappy team with just no real, I don't know, uh, bearing, you know, like a ship's bearing, you know, if you don't know where you're going, then it's just, you know, you're falling apart all the time. You're patching it together with freaking, you know, duct tape and a staple gun. So I was lucky that I was, I was with a team like that, that really had an opportunity and even better. I didn't even have to start my rookie year. I got to sit back and, Oh, drink the Carlton's and <laughs> put a few more shrimp on the Bobby. <laughs> do you reckon? Do you reckon that was big in helping you develop as a young player, not having to start and then becoming a starter in your in your second year? One hundred percent. I think. Um, yeah, I think more guys are doing it better now than in years past, and I think part of the reason is. The training, the nutrition, uh, the knowledge of the game, you know, the ability to study now with uh, access to 
we call it film, but uh, what is it now? It's anymore? all digital now. Like it's all on the iPads uh, and all that. Yeah. Stuff. It's all, it's not yeah. even film, right? What the hell is it? Uh, so, so your access to, uh, the tools you need to be a superior athlete and football mind are so much, so much closer to the tip of your finger right now. Whereas, you know, when I first got to the University of Arizona, when you wanted to watch film, you had to get the damn thing. Uh, and film oh, yeah. It sounds like it was easier. If you don't want them to see the film, though, you just quick lighter, they won't notice. <laughs> it's gone. Uh, no, I played noticed. good that game. I was doing the celluloid. Yeah. <laughs> and you started off uh, pretty successful. Sorry, yeah, Karts. Uh, like I said, you. you First two seasons you played in the Super Bowl and starting in your second year, you must have thought that football was pretty easy back then. Yeah, <laughs> that was tongue in cheek, wasn't it? Yeah, I, think yeah, I, think I don't know. If I went to two Super Bowls my first two years, I think this is shit. I'll do this every I, year. I think I think you're baiting me. Uh, it's no. uh, it's never easy. There is no easy game. Uh, there are no easy teams, and uh, that's just the way it is. Like the minute you think you got it. I mean, you just get your ass handed to you. So uh, you battled every day, every day in training camp. There was a battle. Uh, It's you you just get that feeling at the end of every game. Like I remember sitting in front of my locker and I'm like, I'm just like my arms at my sides. I'm like, I can't lift my arms. I cannot even lift my arms, you know, just being completely worn out. And as the season progresses, you know, you realize that, you're never fully recovered after like week two. You're just playing this game where you're just trying to get to a manageable level of soreness and pain. And then by the time the game day comes around, you know, maybe Saturday, uh, Friday night, you're like, Oh, I'm starting to feel a little bit better. And then bam, you know, you're right back at it. So, uh, and I never thought it was easy. Uh, I, I would say there are, there were very, very few instances where I had a week off. You know what that means? A week off like, Hey, Oh, this week I'm playing against Tim. He's good. I got to be on my game. But next week, Tom is just a, you know, he's a Push dumpster <laughs> fire. Yeah. So there, there weren't really many of those, even in the day when I played, I mean, they're just, they're beasts. Every one of them, they're, you know, world-class athletes, uh, just at the asymptote, you know that I mean, it's the pinnacle of ability when you reach that. And it's strange to think of myself as having been in that arena. Mm-hmm. But when I, even when I watch it, watch it on TV, I'll slow a play down or I'll rewind a play and I'll just marvel, just marvel at what these guys can do with their bodies. It's just incredible. I love the game. Absolutely. Yeah. And do you, do you think a bit too, because you guys were pretty successful during your time at the Bills, like obviously made two Super Bowls. I think you went on to the playoffs four more times during your career. Do you think like like you were saying, no weeks off because you're one of the more successful teams, teams are coming at you with everything sort of every week. You're getting everyone's best every week. So you guys got to be on your game. Like, did you feel that kind of pressure, do you reckon? Tim, for sure, man. Like we would say, oh, we're playing the Bengals who were terrible back then. And it was, hey, hey, it's it's their super. Yeah, Bowl. yeah. Like they they want to they want to be the giant killer. Uh, so you had to treat every team as if they were a a playoff contender because they were going to get ready to play the Buffalo Bills. You got a target on your back, man. I mean, every week they they're coming yeah, for you. Yeah, absolutely. So ten years with the Bills. What finally makes the? Uh, did you get traded, or did you ask to move to spend the the one year in Arizona? Um, they called me, uh, in January and said, we no longer are in need of your services. Yeah. And then that, so then again, I that you were told free. what was going on. <laughs> and then I became a free agent and, uh, Arizona called my agent and said, do you want to come up here and, uh, work with these young guys and, you know, try and teach them how to be a pro. So I said, sure. I came up, I did one year at Arizona and I just, Honestly, fellas, I mean, by the end of that year, my body just said, yeah, you probably don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. It was just time. Yeah. Yeah, That's actually a question I want to ask where you always hear, you know, Tom Brady's retired four times and whether Aaron Rodgers is going to retire this year or not and goes, goes into the dark to find out whether he actually wants to. But 
Do you, as one of the bigger guys, you know, the big sooks that you set up forward, did you just know, you know, halfway through the year that, you know, this is going to be my last year or was it at the end of the season just sat down and going, you know what, I'm mentally just physically wrecked? Well, I think uh, a little bit of both. You know, you want to cling to it because the warrior in you, the competitor in you just doesn't want to say goodbye. Mm. Uh, so, and, and the paycheck is nice yeah, too, right? Yeah, that helps. <laughs> so, I mean... You know, the I made the league minimum for an eleven year. All veteran. them beers aren't free, John. And, uh, that's right. All them beers ain't free. Uh, but you know what I want to do? I, I I wish I knew where uh, Aaron Rodgers was. Man, I want to like show up at that little hut and like put a glass. It'd be like a warlock. <laughs> like in the middle of the night when he's sleeping. He wouldn't know if it's the middle of the night. He'd just be up and out like all hours. He would, it's always he wouldn't know what's real. He might think fucking there's someone in there with him. In the middle of a DMT. And- <laughs> <laughs> Looking back, especially like thinking about that time of your career when you when you retired, John, like do you look back on your career and think, is there anything I would have done differently or you wouldn't change a thing? Like do you, do you reflect back on, on the career much at all? Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, which of us lives without regret, right? Um, I'm sure, Tim, you're regretting that shirt. Uh, <laughs> I made that for him. <laughs> and the Raiders. And the Raiders, yeah, for God's sake. Maybe. 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 No, all, all jokes aside, um, yeah, I mean, there are, there are individual plays that I'd like to have back. Um, you know, there's, uh, I don't know. I think by and large, it's like, it's like anything in life. If, if I cling to the things where I, I came up short, I'll, I'll live in a very dark place. Not like Aaron Rodgers <laughs> in a dark place. You know, and, but, you know, you, you have to figure out a way to reconcile that in your, in your heart and in your mind, right? So f- for me, I think about it like, parenting i don't know you guys are like 14 years old you don't have kids, I, got, but I got two i have four. i also have i two. got i have i have <laughs> yeah, four you kids us, you got us coming. And, and and i wasn't always the best parent and they weren't always the best behaved kids and we you know you always go through stuff and then you as a as a father you know sometimes you get a little over emotional and you know uh my wife says to me one day, she's like, God, you remember when Mimi or Bruno or Stella or Roman did X, Y, Z? And I said, Nope. <laughs> nope. Cause I'm, I'm only going to remember the good shit. Yeah. Because all that other stuff, you just got to let it go. Yeah. You know? And it, it's easier with something like football because, you know, I could play a fantastic game and we lose, or I could play like the dog's ass and we win. So, you know, true team sport, true team effort, I think it makes it easier to kind of reconcile the uh, the, the the plays where you weren't so awesome. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> uh, Bruno, rip a name, by the way, and he is a huge fan of the podcast, so he'll hear this. So don't stress about that. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, he's a <laughs> big fan. Yeah, oh, he's got one of these shirts already. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll take good care of Bruno. Actually. Um, uh, I'm going out to California on Friday to meet up with my coach, my offensive line coach from college. Uh, he actually went into the NFL the same time I did because one of the, one of the coaches, uh, Bill Belichick, uh, worked me out. Ah. So, so Belichick, Belichick comes to Phoenix and works me out. And he says to me, where the hell are you learning all this technique? And I said, well, it's Pat Hill, my coach at Arizona. He's like, oh, I got to talk to that guy. And I'm like, well, give him a ring. So he ends up hiring him. So uh, based on based on Pat's technique and philosophy and coaching, we both went to the NFL together. Yeah, but so, uh, the, the Patriots had a pick before the Bills. So obviously uh, Bill thought the coach was good, but you were no good. Yeah, what's going, what's no, that's on? true, except, uh, except you need a history lesson, Tom, because uh, he was like, <laughs> He was at Cleveland at the time. Yes, I was. Oh, I knew that. And, the, I was and they, was they had the they had the they had the fifteenth pick, and I don't think I could have been oh, no. justified as a a fifteenth pick overall. Just a little internet. Oh, issue. that's it. Pod, I'm oh, taking over the podcast. Uh, 
Hey, this is. Oh, you're back. Oh. Damn. Oh, I think we might be back. Oh, we're back. There he is. He's, he's coming back with he's the, out of the darkness. Is the technology not work down under? I don't know what's going on. Oh, oh. don't you dare blame us. That is all we're Arizona. Arizona issue. Oh, my God. Well, it's good to know <laughs> that you, you guys are there? still full of shit, just like you were <laughs> back in 96. <laughs> nothing would have changed. I was four back in 96, so I had nothing to do yeah. with that. <laughs> did wow. you get some clarity in the dark, John? I did. Oh, nice. what'd you come back with? <laughs> but now you guys have switched spots. So. Yeah, you're on, you're on a yeah. different spot now. Oh, yeah, you're on my far right now. Yeah. That's all right. That's okay. That's all right. Yeah, uh, I, I, I have no I, idea where we were up to. I, oh. I brought the ring for your viewers. It's kind of. Oh, shit. How good is that? So, do you have two of those? I do have two of those. Yeah, nice. That's awesome. Not too bad, right? Yeah. Oh, not too bad. There's only. Uh, what 100 200 people that get that oh no only 100 because it's afc yeah and so nfc's they well, get that a year so not, not too shabby well about 55 people per team so yeah. 100 and, 130 or somewhere around there depending on who gets a ring and who doesn't staff and yeah. yeah do they do they get a run oh, out and about very often or are they do Say they that again a special place Oh, you know, I take them there every now and again. I gotta take your guys' picture. Look at you, handsome devils. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, I don't need the. Flash. Oh, he's calling the, the flash. flash. Gotta... <laughs> I gotta turn the flash <laughs> off. Oh no! Come on, Johnny. Oh, my... You're echoing. So while while you're doing that, I'll put your echo on. You take that photo. Yeah, take that damn echo off. Why do you? <laughs> oh, it won't while we're recording. Oh, well, it's not um, bad for me. What was the question? No, nah. uh, I think we're up to. Uh, where, where, where are we up to? Uh... Yeah. We just we were touching. Well, we'll, oh, we'll get to life after football, yeah, mate, anyway. So, yeah, since then, what's life been like? You have a new podcast, Off Tackle with John Fino, which I reckon most people can probably guess what that's about. Yeah, right. So um, it was interesting. I, I I wasn't playing around with Twitter at all, and then my son was getting recruited, so he had to have a Twitter account, so I wanted to kind of follow along with it. And then I started – searching for Buffalo Bills content. And I started following people and then people were saying, you know, is this really you? And I was like, I think it's me. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So so I just started uh, having fun with Twitter and I I engaged with the uh, fans. You know, a lot of people, I don't consider myself famous, by the way. I'm like a a D-list celebrity. But uh, a lot of a lot of like super important people will put something up and then just never re-engage with whatever, you know, invective they put up on Twitter. So what I would do is I would engage. If I thought something was funny, I'd say that's funny or, you know, cool cat video or wow, that looks delicious. And so I, I started getting this uh, reputation as being just an engaging type of person. When really, the truth is, I hate people. Um, <laughs> it took a while to land there. Tom's still processing. So, I know, uh, I've got it. I'm just listening. Just listening. <laughs> so, uh, so one of these guys reaches out to me, Joe, Joe Miller, who's my co-host. And he, you know, he sends me a message. And I'm like, you know, I, I'm one of those people, like, if you're going to text me and it's longer than this, I'm just reading the last sentence. So just make sure the last sentence is, <laughs> is what you really want to know. So I just, he sent me this message and I just said, just call me. And I give him the number and he's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not made of glass. I'm just like you. We're all going to, we're all worm food in the end anyway. So he says, do you want to do a, a quarterly podcast? You know, we'll predict the season uh, four games at a time and then we'll do a wrap up show. And people liked it. So he said, do you want to do a full season? And I should have said no. Yeah. Because <laughs> it just, it sucked me into the team and into back into the game. And I, I became a little bit more obsessed and I started taking it seriously. And, you know, I just want to be a fan, but now I'm a content creator. Right. Isn't that, <laughs> yeah. is that, isn't that what like you guys the pressures are? that come along with that too? Like, oh. oh, yeah. No, no pressure. I don't really care what people think of me, except for you guys. <laughs> except for you guys. You're the only ones yeah, that matter. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
you know, it, it's a good show. We break down some film. I'm sure you guys have watched every episode in anticipation of having me on your show. 100%. 100%. <laughs> right? Yeah. Getting through the back so, catalog, obviously. Yeah. It, it's been great. And uh, I've just uh, made so many new friends in Buffalo uh, that are part of the Spills Mafia community. And every time I go back, I meet somebody new and I meet this, you know, great person and who's got this great story to tell and, you know, wonderful life full of uh, joy and tragedy and wonder and amazement. And, you know, people are really very interesting, even though I can't stand them. <laughs> well, that's what you say. You hate people, but you love talking to them <laughs> or about them. No, I, I do. I do enjoy meeting people. But and like the Bills Mafia, even like over here in Australia, like we know a bit about the reputation of the Bills Mafia, but like it's just like you guys are like just a whole different fan base over there. Hey, like like you guys are I don't want it like without sounding like derogatory, but you guys are wild, like Well, that's okay. I've been insulted by uh prettier yeah. people than you. So um... <laughs> oh, I don't know. He's... <laughs> got the hair yeah, the, the hair is great it <laughs> really is thank you, thank you. Tom, tom you should probably take some lessons <laughs> yeah it's just the lights that i have on there. oh is it the lights oh god what's wrong with my yeah. lighting yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it's tom he brought his lighting um <laughs> shit <laughs> yeah there you know for all of the uh all of the i guess media that the bills mafia gets i don't think it's as wild but it is certainly as passionate mm, uh, as, as you would word. imagine yeah you know? much better word so there there are some there are some people doing some pretty outlandish things which yeah yeah i've which, seen people jumping through tables before which, games. which that I, seems pretty wild to me which i like to see from a safe distance <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> But there's also like there's yeah. also the so other you, side to the mafia too. Like you know, the, the media likes to talk about like like we said that passionate wild side. But also like there's that community side. Like you guys as a group as a community, like huge donations to um, charities and things like that, and get behind causes on mass together. I think that's a really a big and really positive um, part of of the Bills Mafia too. That probably should get highlighted a bit more. I reckon. No, I, I agree with you. I think it, I think with DeMar Hamlin and the amount of money that was raised for him, his charity, and then people kind of started looking back, those who weren't familiar with it started to see what they did for, um, for uh, Lamar in uh, Baltimore and for the quarterback in Cincinnati and what they did for Josh Allen in the uh, Oshai Children's Hospital when his grandmother died suddenly. And it is really amazing. And I have to give a shout out to the uh, Bills Mafia Babes. Uh, if you don't follow the Bills Mafia Babes, you have to. They, uh, they, they organize a, uh, a monthly fundraiser. So they'll, they'll pick one of the players' charities and they'll do some sort of a fundraiser in the community, whether it's you know just go out and drink beer or go to a, a drive-in movie or something where a portion of the proceeds gets donated to that player's charity. And it's... Uh, it's pretty awesome. It is. And what I love about Buffalo um, is it's it's small enough community that everywhere you go, especially during the season, everybody's wearing Bills gear. And it's just a cool feeling to see a city that embraces one specific thing. And, and because of the size of the city, you see it everywhere. You know, we're in Los Angeles. You might have Lakers fans, but I mean, there's 8 million people there. You don't see them every day. But in, if you're walking the streets in Buffalo, New York, or you're in the South Towns and you're shopping, people are wearing their ball caps and their T-shirts. And it's it's pretty damn cool. It's a cool identity. Yeah, for sure. And like, that's like we say, like that, yeah, that sense of community. Yeah, it's so strong with you guys. And yeah, it's, it's awesome to see. All right, we've been we've been holding off for long enough now. We'll get into to actually talking about your bills. Uh, you, you had a pretty tough end of the season, and it was there's some pretty, as you mentioned, some pretty out of the ordinary situations, such as Demar Hamlin and and such. But what was your biggest takeaway from the year? Well, yeah, I mean to to <clears throat> kind of wrap it up in in a little package. It wasn't just Demar Hamlin; it was the shooting that happened on Buffalo's East side, it was the owner's wife and the COO of the Buffalo bills, Kim Pagula, who suffered 
uh, a medical emergency and there was a, a fire and in, in, in on the east side that you know four i think four children died in and then there was the mm. snowstorm where so many people died and it was uh god it was just such an emotional roller coaster for the entire community and i think that when you're when you're so close knit as a team with a city like buffalo or green bay or you know some of the what people call smaller markets but what i would say more intimate cities is you, that can't happen without it affecting you and players yeah. because of this because of twitter are so much closer to the fans and that fan community that you can't help it, it, it penetrates the armor. So I know that it was a very long season in that regard. Uh, I, I just, uh, you kind of saw it. I don't want to say unraveling, but you saw during the last half of the season that things weren't really right. The philosophy offensively was, it was too scattered like there wasn't a real identity that they were just forcing on the opponent. The running game philosophy, I, 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 I couldn't even describe it to you cause I don't know what it was. Hmm. And then, uh, <laughs> and then when they got to the playoffs, that Cincinnati game, they were flat. They, they, I don't think that they had the right game plan and they, it was horrible. I was there and watching that game was brutal. It was incredibly hard to watch. From the first snap until the end of the game, it just looked very uninspired. It looked very poorly planned. And, uh, you know, despite all the highs of the regular season, you know, you come into the playoffs, you still have to figure out a way to peak. You still have to figure out a way to be better than you were last week, to be better than the team that you're playing, to enhance your performance and – it looked like none of that. I hate to say it. It pains me. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's a, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a honest, brutally honest analysis. What do you what do you think like some steps that, that the Bills might need to take to to get towards peaking in that in the sort of playoffs next year? Like what are some of the pieces that you think they might need to to bring into play? Well, I guess that uh, the, the even though we're connected live right now and you're in Australia, you didn't see the news. So Leslie Frazier, the defensive coordinator from Buffalo, uh, is taking a year away. Now I did see that. Uh, we'll be talking about that this week. Yeah, yeah, so I don't know if that means he was not renewed. His contract could have been up or what have you. But, you know, one of the things that I've always said about uh, – about defense is I would rather bring pressure, right? I want to, I want to come at you, Tim, and knock your ass off. I don't want to sit back and wear you out and play some game. And so we were playing a lot of very conservative defense, just sitting back and waiting and waiting and just, you know, I don't think you can do that anymore. The talent is too good on the other side of the ball. The top tier quarterbacks and their receivers are far too good for you to just sit back and, you know, kind of play this bend, bend, don't break defense because yeah. they're just too good. And then offensively, I, I make it sound like I'm blaming the defense for everything, but offensively, we just, there were, the consistency wasn't there. And yeah. uh, I, I we have a young offensive coordinator in Ken Dorsey. I think he's good. I think he's creative, but he's got to really get a run game coordinator and they've got to come up with what is our identity. We've got to be able to compliment Josh Allen with more effective runs and then play action based on those runs and be able to, uh, you know, game plan for the defenses that were playing a little bit better. And uh, we just didn't, didn't see it. Do you think because of such a beast that he was, did, did you rely too much on Josh for the running game in the end? Do you think? I think they did, but I, I don't think he. Well, I don't just think didn't he have enough to, to complement his. I, I, th- his I think that was the result of not having a more cohesive philosophy to your running game. You know, and, and if you have a crutch, you're going to lean on it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you should always assume you don't have the crutch and develop a running game for the sake of develop a goddamn running game. <laughs> like. Yeah. Totally. Run the football. Yeah. What, what are you going to do? Are you going to run zone? Are you pin and pull? You know, are you inside zone? 
what are you going to do? But damn it, do it and do it over and over until you get damn well good at it. Now you get me angry. Yeah. It's the off season. <laughs> this is a passion. We, oh, talk yes. we talk about the passion. That's man. it. <laughs> well, your running game at the end of the season was a bit like your internet. It was shit ass. <laughs> so do you coming up, you've got pick 27 in the draft, but you've only got six draft picks Ooh. across the whole thing. Is it? Are you going to try and trade up and get someone like a Bajan Robinson or we have pick, something pick 27? Like that? that was my pick. It's a special it's pick. My dad. Yeah. It's my dad. There you go. Hey, Chuck. Hey, Chuck. Get him on. <laughs> tell him he's live in Australia. Hold on. I got to tell him. Hey, da- hey. hey, Pop. Hey, Dad. I'm, I'm on a podcast right now with a bunch of blokes in Australia. Can I call you back in a few minutes? Bye. This is real. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good old Chuck. Welcome aboard, Chuck. Well, you know, Tim's not nearly as insensitive as Tom, but so I'll talk to Tim. So Tim, my mother passed away in September. And oh, so my, fa- my father's a, a widower. And when he calls at eight, nine o'clock at night, I'm always like, shit, something's, you know. Yes. So I'm trying to, better answer. I'm trying to look after my father, Tom, you jack wagon. Got to be the right thing. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Look at him. He's got, he I can just see you still got a heart. I do. You're not being That still doesn't change the fact that your internet shit. Is, but <laughs> what are you talking? What are you, you going to do hey, with Pick Twenty Seven? Al Gore and the United States of America invented the internet. You're welcome. Oh, thanks. But <laughs> at least didn't works. we invent Wi-Fi in Australia? <laughs> so we got that. No, you invented the Barbie. The Barbie. <laughs> uh, so who are they? Who are they? I mean, the shrimps. Who are they going to pick with yeah. twenty-seven? So, um, are you going to trade up and get someone, uh, you know, Bijan Robinson or something like that to try and complement the running game? So, do you know Bijan Robinson and my son Bruno were high school teammates? They came out together. I love that kid. I knew that now. I, I love that, now. that kid. I love my son more, but Bijan's amazing. <laughs> um, so, oh, geez. So I, I think they can address the running back spot, maybe. But I think James Cook is going to be the real deal. You know, his brother Dalvin is amazing. And Jay, mm. James showed flashes at the end of the season. So I'm not too concerned uh, about the running back position. I think, uh, mm, you know, there, there, there are obvious needs that could compete for that pick, right? So you could say uh, a first-round wide receiver i think that would not be a bad pick um defense i'm totally confused we've got so many early picks on the front four that aren't producing we've got uh we're pretty set at linebacker if we keep tremaine Edmonds, so i wouldn't draft a linebacker if we lose jordan poyer do we want to get a safety but do you draft a safety in the first round? Probably not. So then it brings me back to the offense, and I say we get a big weapon wide receiver or maybe interior O-line. But it's hard to draft guards and centers in the first round. It's just kind of, you know, people kind of sneer at that. Like, yeah, you can always get a offensive lineman, but then everybody's crying that they think the offensive line sucks. So, Man alive. Uh, I trust in my general manager, but I think if the right guy's available, it's wide receiver. Uh, and if not, I think we, I think we go to, I think we go to the secondary. We get a safety. That's it. Yeah. Buck the 10, get a, get a safety in the first round. I like it. But look, I'll tell you right now, if the Buffalo bills draft Bijan Robinson, I'm going to cry out loud. And in three years from now, they draft my son you guys might have to come over here and resuscitate me. <laughs> Mate, if he, when he's up for the draft, we'll come over and do a live thing, I reckon. Yeah. No, I'll go down there like my parents ditched me. Yeah, yeah you got to go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> come in. Let's go to Spain. Come in and have a few Carlton's. Brilliant. Um, what kind of well, positions your son playing these days? Uh, same as me, offensive line. Yeah, I mean, he's, so is he uh, the same as you? Where big, what would you call it, crybaby up forward, or is he a bit yeah. more of a man? Yeah, <laughs> a little bit more of a man, a little tougher than me. 
But what's interesting is, you know, I play when I got drafted, I was about 200 and I don't know, 88 pounds. He's that now. Um, yeah. And he's bigger. Of course, the kids are bigger now than they ever were. So he's um, he's about six, four and three quarters, about 293 now. I mean, it's just incredible. And I didn't I didn't get to be yeah. that size. He's only 20. I didn't get to be that size until I was probably uh, 23. So he's uh, he's ahead of my curve. Oh, yeah. As a beast. Yeah. And he'd be running a quicker 40, I imagine. I don't know. I was fast. <laughs> I, I ran about yeah. I ran about a 495. That's pretty good for a big guy. Yeah, Jeez, nice. Yeah, shit, yeah. Yeah. Ah, what is that, like Cars, 38 meters? What do you guys call it? The 40 meters? Yeah, what is, I, I'd actually know what the 40 uh, yards is. It's like 38.89 meters. You're not doing the yeah. math, are you, Tim? I'm, I'm, I'm about to have a look. <laughs> Let's go. You old boys getting on your phone. Just yell out at Siri. I yeah, love it. Yeah, I do like right. that. 40 yards. Cardi, so, Cardi is the old boy of our group, so he'll, he'd be mostly 36.57 metres is 40 oh, yards. Wow. So yeah, I will say, great. Tom, I was also in Buffalo when they beat the Green Bay Packers. I enjoyed that. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Hey, well, we, we, we were under the 10.5 that, that we were given, so I feel like that was a win. Yeah. He's done. Don't worry, yes. John. He's, he's done that all year, John. He's taken covering the spread as a win. Is absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Woo. That's the sort of man. Year. I, I didn't. I didn't realize this was going to be a soft like cotton podcast. <laughs> I'm just a very passionate man, don't you? Yeah. And I'll go to bat for my he's boys. Just anyone that used to do for the Packers. I do have a soft spot uh, in one place for the Green Bay Packers because uh, when I was in Buffalo, Elijah Pitts was our running backs coach, and uh, he was a he was scored the first rushing touchdown in any Super Bowl for the Green Bay Packers. Going played for Lombardi way back in the day, and uh, just loved Elijah. What an incredible, yeah. incredible man, great father, great coach. Um, and he got sick; he had cancer, and. Uh, you know, that was kind of like my first time, you know, seeing somebody when you know they're going to go. And uh, it's like a memory that was, was, even though he knew he was at the end, he was less sad than I was, you know. And, and he just had all these words of wisdom and an incredible, incredible uh, part of my early career for sure. You know, a great guy who just loved people, loved coaching and just a terrific, terrific man. Yeah, and anyone who scores for the Packers is a is a bloody beautiful man in my books. Don't worry. <laughs> when does when does uh, when does the therapy tomorrow? Do you go to therapy in the mornings or the afternoons? <laughs> He's on two a day. He's on two a days for this week for the next few. I tell you, you know, when I was over there on uh, on the trail ride, you know, there it was a really small trail ride on Tasmania. It was incredible, like twenty eight guys. And they were all fascinated with American football. And we're talking about, uh, well, you know, like, how do you throw it? You know, so they had a rugby ball and I was showing them how we throw and I'm throwing spirals. And they were like fascinated on how you could like overhand throw a ball like that. I was just like, how do you not? And you think, you know, in, in cricket, it's that over kind of over the, I don't even know what that technique is called, but it's bowling. Yeah. Bowling. Yeah, very strange though. Not with the bent elbow. Nah, nah right, 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 right. Like a but that's, that's the thing. thing. It's so foreign to us, like because obviously our our football sports are like all mainly kicking based. Or well, I suppose rugby's passing, but it's not the overarm passing. So yeah, it's it's foreign for us. Obviously now NFL is becoming such a huge sport in Australia now. Like the growth's huge, so everyone's exposed to it now. But you, back then, yeah, it would have been super foreign. Do you guys have, uh, like, uh, Tom, do you go to a, a Green Bay bar? And Tim, do you have a Raiders club you go to? Like, in, even in Tucson, we have a, a Buffalo Bills backers club. There's, like, four in, in Phoenix. I've actually taken to, when I travel, go to the Bills backers bars, and I'm collecting the T-shirts. So, hey, awesome. Do you guys have those clubs? Do you have a Bills bar? And a, I wish. A yeah, we're not, I wish we're not lucky enough to have, like, just dedicated to teams. Probably more, like, dedicated just to NFL. Okay. Uh, we're, we're not we're not quite there yet that we've got big enough fan bases to have like just a Raiders team or just a, a Green Bay team, but I I could see it definitely going that way. 
For sure. So I think what you got to do, you got to kind of, it can't start organically, right? You got to, you got to get like six of your buddies and say, Hey, we're going to be Raiders fans. And we're all going to go to this particular, (laughs) you go to that, you go to that bar and you tell the owner every weekend, we're coming here. We're going to watch the Raiders. We want it on all the TVs and you just convert the bar into a like Raiders bar. You're slowly bringing more like memorabilia and then there's exactly, like the Raiders, right. there's the Raiders corner, then there's the Raiders room, then it's the Raiders bar. I like where your head's at, Exactly. John. I like yeah. it. Now, you could never do that with Green Bay because the colors are so shitty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no one will want to be in there. Yeah. Who wants to be in a darkly lit bloody black and silver bar? That sounds a bit weird. Sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> Ooh, creepy. <laughs> I don't know. Where, I, I don't know where you're going with that, Tom. But uh, you might need some therapy for that too. Yeah, uh, lucky two two times a day. I'll be uh, plenty of time to be across it. But, Excellent. Uh, we've got a couple more questions for you, Johnny. But I uh, just want to say I appreciate you giving up your time uh, to come on. It sounds like you are a busy man with your podcast and everything that's going on in your life. So we do appreciate you giving up your time and, and coming to speaking to us, mate. Hey, it's uh, it's really my pleasure. I, I honestly, uh, visiting with you guys just reminds me so much of my trip to Australia, and that's a that's a good thing. Uh, and if anybody was interested in my content, although you guys probably put out a ton yourself, you know, I'm at John Fina on Twitter, and uh, I I like to have fun and kid around a lot. And if you want to listen to me talk about Buffalo Bills football and convert a few people to Buffalo Bills fans, it's the Off Tackle Show with John Fina. And uh, we are live on YouTube. We were Monday nights last year. I don't know if we're changing nights, but you, just like you, go to YouTube and search Off Tackle Show with John Fina, and uh, we'll have some fun. Yeah, we'll tag you in everything that we put up so people will be able to find you. But one last question for me. You played the left tackle position for most of your career, which, uh, as I'm sure you've gone and listened to all of our podcasts, I find it to be one of the most important positions protecting the uh, the QB's blind side. What are your thoughts on the O-line position these days? Well, I think left tackle isn't as important compared to right tackle now as it was then. Uh, the advent of defensive end technique and, and the, the ability of players, the size, strength, and speed – is uh, sort of evened out both sides of the defensive line. So I think, you know, although left tackles tend to see the fiercer pass rushers, they're, they're getting closer and closer in ability. Um, the, the thing that's amazing about offensive line play is it, the only mirrored position on the field is defensive back, uh, particularly like uh, man coverage corner, right? So I have to react to what you do. Everything I do is based on what you do. Uh, Even in the run game, I still have to make sure that I'm compensating for the direction that the guy in front of me takes. And I have no idea where you're going to go at the snap of the ball. So especially with regard to pass protection, you know, I take that set and you could come right into me. You could try going around me. You could try coming inside. It could be arm over. It could be arm under. It could be all kinds of different stuff. And you just, you know, the technique and the technicians that are playing in the NFL right now uh, uh, at the tackle position are just, um, you know, it's incredible. Like the, the amount of focus, concentration, and adherence to your technique are the things that will like extend your career and keep you regarded as a really good football player. Uh, and I think offensive line is also, uh, think about it and, and you could find another one if you can, but in all of sports, it's the only position where the sole purpose of your role is the protection and safety of other people. Mm. Yeah. No, that's good. <laughs> yeah. I'm not finding many others. Yeah. So that's what we do. We look after running backs. We look after quarterbacks, you know? That's our deal. So it's a, it's a, it was fun, man. It was so much fun playing and, you know, the meetings were good, you know, cutting it up just like we're doing like this. You give a little shit, you take a little shit, (laughs) you know, but in the end, the body kind of gives way and the, you know, so much of the preparation is what I don't miss. You know, I don't know what you guys do for a living, but the, the game of football is played on Sunday. 
and practice is only an hour and a half or two hours. But all those other hours in the day, it's like going to a board meeting and you're reviewing film or you're reviewing plays and you got your notebook and that part. Ugh, I'm done with that. Yeah. yeah I, don't, I don't miss the long meetings. Yeah, for sure. Uh, fair enough. Uh, just one, one final one from me, John. Just real quick, what's your prediction for the Bills next year? Ooh, well, I actually was close in my prediction this year. I think I had them going 13-4, and four, and despite the cancellation game, I might have been off. Um, I think they might have gone 14-3. Uh, and three. So, God, I, I really feel uncertain about this year. And I think the, the Bengals, uh, the Ravens, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, and, you know, the Chargers are always dangerous because of their quarterback. It's tough, man. Like, honestly, a 17-game season, uh, I'd like to see we, get, we win 12, 12 and 5. And I think, yep. uh, you know, you get to 12, you're in the playoffs. You might not like where you're going or what you're doing, but – it's hard to win a football game. I don't, you know, you don't get a lot of players on your pods, do you? But I'll tell you this. When you're a, when you're a fan of the game, when you're a fan of the game, you look at, oh, well, the Buffalo Bills 10 and 3 are playing the Raiders who are, you know, 3 and 10. And that should that's easy, right? But there's no easy like they don't come out there to lay down. I mean, these are grown men with pride. And although they suck in record, you know, you just never any given Sunday. Yeah. Right? Yeah, man. Oh. Look. Any given Walk. Sunday. <laughs> the way just like podcast. Well, how good's that? <laughs> and people don't want to believe it, right? Because they look at records and they look at talent and they look at percentages and all this other crap. Oh, the Raiders can't beat the Bills. And then they come out and they beat them. And you're like, what the hell happened? Well, these are grown men with pride too. So there are no easy games. And like I said earlier, the minute you think you got it easy is the day you get your ass kicked. So my, my coach, my coach, Pat Hill always said to us, he said, he said, never take too seriously a pat on the back because it's only 18 inches from a kick in the ass. (laughs) That's good advice. Words of wisdom. (laughs) You dropped a couple of dimes there at the end, end, John. That's great. (laughs) I'll do what I can. Yeah, <laughs> beautiful. Imparting, beautiful. Impar- imparting some wisdom to you, you young gentlemen. You well, here's another, good, here's another good one. I, I've thought about this one for years and years because I was always one of those, um, I was one of those guys that did, you know, people didn't think I had a chance, right? So I was always fighting the odds, like kind of like Josh Allen did. You know, he had to go to junior college and then went to Wyoming. Well, you know, I wasn't very highly recruited out of high school and this and that, but. Uh, my my coach at uh, Arizona used to say uh, that Dick Tomey, who who's deceased about uh, three years now, he said, the reason most people fail instead of succeed is they trade what they want most for what they want at the moment. Mm-hmm. That's a good one too. I like that. Deep, reason, deep, just dropping right, absolute yeah. The reason mo- the reason most people fail there, instead of succeed is they trade what they want most for what they want at the moment. Yeah. All right. That's a good cool. one. Yeah, no, no. We'll be right. <laughs> I'll get to listen back to this a few times. I'll work it out by the time we get yeah, there. Yeah, I'll, I'll put it in a letter and post it and send, send it, it to you. It. It'll, it'll be there. By the time it gets to me, I'll work it it'll out. It'll be Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> ah, beautiful. What a great way to finish, Johnny. We uh, we do appreciate. And uh, if you'd be keen, we'd love to have you back on during the uh, probably closer to the season and then on the season as well. I'd love to. You guys are great. You're doing a great job. Uh, I hope your uh, viewership and listenership just goes off the charts and uh, you make a ton of money and you get monetized, uh, you know, with your favorite beer label and all that great stuff. And, you know, the the NFL, it's endless. You guys have so much to talk about. So I know you're going to do great and I'm, I'm thrilled to have been part of your podcast. So I appreciate it. That's been awesome. Thanks thanks for jumping on, John. Cheers. Cheers, I love it.